Hey everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that. And we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not going to be the podcast you want to listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels because we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine because it's five o'clock somewhere. And let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminary. Hey, everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the podcast, uh, Not Your 1950s Housewife. And today I'm so excited to do this podcast because I have a friend of mine, Jennifer Scott, who has probably one of the coolest professions. Uh, She is a certified nurse midwife. So she's worked as a midwife in a hospital-based practice for seven years before co-founding a home birth practice serving the Old Order Mennonite community of the Finger Lakes. And recently, she expanded that practice to include those hoping to avoid the hospital during the COVID pandemic. In her spare time, she's a mom of two teenagers, wife to an obstetrician, runner, hiker, wine lover, which I know, reader of good books, and a dog mom to a golden retriever and a boxer. Hi, Jen. Hi, Sheena. I am so glad you're here. And we are recording this um, in the middle of this COVID pandemic. So by the time this podcast comes out, God only knows where we'll be. But I've been chatting with you about kind of how this has evolved for you in your practice and how you focus on really the Mennonite community, but that's kind of expanded. So I cannot wait to have this chat. Um, But funny thing first, I was talking to a few of my friends about this and they were like, well, what is a nurse midwife? So why don't we start there with some of the basics? All right. I get that question a lot. And uh, my favorite one is how long have midwives been around? And we've been around since the old Testament. So a long time. Um, before there were obstetricians, before there were physicians, most women chose um, a midwife to come to their birth. And, um, you know, in the old times, the old days, they were taught by other women. So it was passed down. And then, you know, eventually former school, formal school started. Um, a nurse midwife has been around for about 100 years or so. Um, we are. Uh, we have a 40-year degree in nursing, and then we go for a master's degree in midwifery. Um, many people, I, I guess a comparison would be like a nurse practitioner. So, you know, a nurse practitioner, someone has a four-year degree in nursing, and then three years or two or three years in um, whatever they choose, whether it's pediatrics or geriatrics or family nurse practitioner. But midwife is, is like that in the education. Um, what else? Let's see. We attend about 10% of uh, births in the United States. Hmm, I did not know that. In other 
yeah, in other countries, uh, other developed countries, midwives can attend like 50 to 80% of births. So, you know, in America, we're a little bit, but a little bit slow on the midwife bandwagon. So is this something you always wanted to do? Um, or did you want to be, you know, like an obstetrician or did you not know, like, how did you find this path? Well, first I was a nurse and I was a critical care nurse and then I had a baby and then I wanted oh. to be a labor nurse after having a baby. Cause I thought it was a very cool, um, uh, profession, uh, nursing profession, you know, to be able to help women through labor. And I started teaching birthing classes and as I taught them, I started realizing that there were other ways to give birth. And what I, what I mean by that is like, not everyone has to be induced. Not everyone has to have an epidural. Um, I started laboring with women and seeing how really powerful they were in, in labor, getting through those contractions and then birthing their baby without intervention. Um, and I wanted to be able to, to help them help the women that wanted that, but felt like they couldn't because maybe they were in a hospital system or with a, a more conservative physician that wanted them to have a lot of intervention. So it was a way to kind of protect that path for women. Um, so then could you actually have been a midwife in a hospital? Yeah, I was a midwife in a hospital for eight years. Yep. So I could have, so what would it, like, so I had an OB and I actually yeah. did birth both of my kids naturally without any medical intervention, but I did that with my obstetrician. What would have been the difference with you or would there not have been in my instance? I think if you have an obstetrician who, um, and there are many, many of them out there that respect a woman's um, goal to have a natural unmedicated um, birth without intervention, then there probably isn't much difference. Um, midwives have more of a nursing background, so we might have more of a promoting health and education background as opposed to treating pregnancy as a, a disease. Um, for others, you know, they might be in a practice with, with obstetricians who really don't um, embrace the natural method. So that's where having a midwife would um, be positive for them. Got it. Okay. But you could have had, I, you were in a hospital doing the same thing. Yes. Yep. Okay. And for those women who, who came into the hospital who were, were like, I don't, I don't want an epidural. I don't want to do pain meds. Can you help me through it? That was my role. I, I used to say I have like a toolbox, you know, essential oils, position changes, massage techniques, pressure points, et cetera, to get, to help people get through labor, help women get through labor without having to use medication. Hmm. I kind of wish I had you. <clears throat> I just screamed. <laughs> well, you know what? It's not too late. <laughs> yes, it is. Shut your <laughs> mouth right now. <laughs> you must be already partaking in that wine. <laughs> oh, it's, it is noon. No. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> So then what made you want to leave practicing in a hospital and co-founding your home birthing practice? I guess that's a question 1A, but there will be a question 1B right after that. So first answer that one. <laughs> okay. Um, there are many answers to that question. Um, first of all, I loved my time in the hospital. I Loved my, my colleagues, um, especially the physicians I work with. They taught me a lot, like the other midwives. Um, but working in a big practice, you see a lot of women and you don't always have that one-on-one -on -one connection with them. You know, if I was on call, I might be 
uh, on call for 24 hours and delivering three or four babies in a night. And I might not necessarily know those, those women, they might have be women, you know, patients of other um, physicians or obstetricians or um, physicians and midwives. So for me, I was missing that, that connection of, of following a woman all the way through pregnancy and then birth. Um, and there, you know, there are things, the hospital policies, et cetera, that are tough on, I, I like to say tough on the midwife's soul. <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're taking care of more higher risk patients sometimes and not the, the lower risk patients that really can have a um, non-interventional birth. Um, and then as far as the Mennonite community, there was a void in the community. They lost two providers in a really short period of time. So many women were just left without any choices. They either had to come to the hospital or they had to choose to do their pregnancies and births unassisted. So the, the Yates County Health Department had um, brought in a couple of midwives and other um, health department officials and community members from the Mennonite community to kind of come up with a game plan on how to fix this. And I think they drew me in and it was my, um, my chance to try something new. So that was 1B. How did you navigate your way to that Mennonite yeah. community? Okay. Um, yeah. So what has that experience been like, right? Because I'm picturing you in a hospital working with, you know, a certain clientele of women, like you said, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe some of the higher risk and doing a lot more quantity to the biggest pivot in the world to the Mennonite community. Yeah in their homes. So let's talk about the massive differences between the two. Huge differences. I mean, culturally and, and I could, <laughs> medically. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I was, I think after the first six months of this change, I was exhausted, you know, just every night. And I think a lot of it is just mental exhaustion. Like many of us have when we start a new job. Um, you know, the, I, I am a true believer that that birth is physiological, and for the majority of the time, it goes smoothly without without need for intervention. With it's safe, but it was a a bit of a struggle. I don't know if struggle is the right word. Going from being having a natural birth in a hospital, where if something happened, um, if there was a complication, I worked in the NICU, you know, right there at the bedside in in thirty seconds. I could call an obstetrician in from home and they could get there in 10 minutes. You know, I could call an OR in, et cetera, to being out really in the middle of nowhere, like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes by car to the hospital um, in the middle of winter, winter sometimes um, with just my bag of tricks, as I like to call it. You know, I, I carry all my basically EMT bag, IV supplies, medications for emergencies, oxygen, et cetera. But um, to really be there by myself, that was probably the the hardest transition for me um, to give up that safety net. Well, I mean, yeah, what do you do? I mean, like you said, the majority of the time, no complications, no issues, healthy baby. Yeah. How, what does that look like if that, if there are complications or issues? Well, hopefully if there's going to be complications, you foresee them ahead of time. Um, you know, part of midwifery care. So are you working with these, are you working with these women through their entire pregnancy? So you're, you're kind of like, I know what I, I, you kind of have a good feel for what you're going to be getting. Yes. You know, every time you see them, I'm seeing them from the, you know, the very first visit at 13, 14 weeks. 
So, you know, you're doing weights, you're doing blood pressures, you're, you know, dipping their urine every visit. So if, if things, something comes up like high blood pressure, diabetes, um, this is what we call risking out. You know, if, if they're not going to be low risk for home birth, then we have the opportunity to transfer them to a higher level of care at that point. So that hopefully happens before, you know, delivery. Got it. Um, but, you know, in the, the rare chance of a birth complication, I bring in a registered nurse along with me and we um, use our skills and some prayers. And, um, but, you know, luckily we haven't, I always want to say knock on wood, we've dealt with healthy, low risk women and we haven't had a, anything too scary yet. Nothing that so, I don't think that I, I could handle. Yeah. So there are two of you then? Yes. Yep. I always bring a friend with me. <laughs> bring a friend. Phone a friend. Well, if yeah. you ever need a phone a friend. Need a friend, I always told you. <laughs> I'll catch. <laughs> yeah. Use some gloves. <laughs> so then, um, I mean, I'm picturing my birthing experience of a hospital room, like on a, on a bed that was fairly comfortable. What are these women doing in the Mennonite community? Um, are we talking couches? beds floors they're doing yeah the same no they're usually their rooms and it's basically whether you're Mennonite or um I think I told you earlier English is the word that the Mennonites use (laughs) for us um non-Mennonite people were English so uh whether you're Mennonite or not uh, non-Mennonite your birth in your home usually is um well wherever you're comfortable mostly in your bedroom um we set the the bed up Oof. so we keep your sheets clean and the floors clean and we have all of our all of our equipment set up um, on a little table and we have a baby scale so yeah. I mean, how do you keep it clean? Mine looks like a war zone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, yeah. lots of plastic sheets and chuck pads. <laughs> plastic sheets. Yeah, you put like a plastic sheet over you know over your sheets and then. Um, a sheet over that and then some those you know those hospital chucks pads oh yeah so it really it really cuts down and you just roll everything up when you're done and it's like hey the there nice you go there's having us is, there's your yeah, fetch. Well done. <laughs> we throw everything in the wash for you it's like nothing ever happened oh my god <laughs> it's like a whole other experience <laughs> baby gonna put on the birthing sheets yeah could you swap out the bed let's put those birthing sheets back on <laughs> Ew. Basically, basically, yeah. If you're birthing sheets, yep. Don't throw those sheets away. We can birth you on those. Oh boy. Um, we make you breakfast, and then you get to lay in bed, and we wash your sheets and clean up your room. And you make me breakfast. Yep, or dinner. It's part of our job. Aww. Okay. So we have a cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, do you want? But they don't eat meat, right? Like, so if we think about the community, what would you make for them? Uh, they eat meat. They're they like, meat. okay. Egg, yeah. Yeah. They actually eat probably better than we do because they're, you know, they have gardens and, um, they're not buying processed foods and, um, fast foods all the time. They're eating what they, they grow or hunt or gather or chickens, you know, beef, deer, and then they have their meat. Are you having to cook them the food from their land like do they eat only what they grow or and I mean they do go to the stores too like in in the winter if they Uh but they have canned vegetables and things usually you know I make them eggs and toast is 
but yes, the eggs are fresh. They're not from, uh, from Walmart. Interesting. Okay. And mm-hmm. are there husbands right there, right? Like who's in this room when they're doing this? Because when I had my kids, it was just me and my husband and, you know, the doctors and nurses. Although this is interesting because I gave birth to my daughter in Maryland. Um, and then my son was up here at strong and strong is a teaching hospital. And it was like in the middle of my labor, mm-hmm. you, you, I mean, basically an entire class of, you know, future obstetricians walked yeah. in and I felt like I was like an animal at a zoo because they were all coming in just looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, this is kind of, this, yeah, this is kind of awkward. Well. <laughs> like, can I maybe not have this being shown to everybody? Um, so it, that wasn't exactly yeah. the private experience I was looking for. So what do these women who are in the room when they're giving birth? Um, usually just their husband and me and um my assistant yep so my assistants are um nurses and also many of them are have been labor nurses or doulas before so they have a lot of experience in helping with um labor support and yep they have their husbands who are fantastic and supportive um they really get through labor together it's a it's actually a beautiful thing to see because i i didn't know what to expect from a community that is um you know, very Christian, you know, where the husbands have, um, you know, be in the kitchen or outside or something, but no, they're right there and they're incredibly supportive and loving. Um, and then the same goes with the non-Mennonites, usually it's a husband and, um, sometimes a mom or a sister too. Hmm. Um, so I know the Mennonite community likes to have lots of children, correct? Mm-hmm. So where are all these kids when this is going down? Oh, usually grandmas and the neighbors, sometimes sleeping. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, sleeping. really fun. <laughs> You're right. No one was sleeping at my home when I gave birth. <laughs> no one would have been sleeping at my birth either. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I guess yeah, there wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then you're done. Baby new Mennonite baby comes into the world and then you bill their insurance. Um, what does this look like? How do you get paid for this gift that you brought into the world? I get paid in check or cash because they don't have insurance. Um, they don't um, buy into like our commercial insurance plan because many of them are self-employed. So they usually pay me in payments throughout pregnancy. Um, and then like any small business, I uh, pay my taxes, um, submit my, right. submit my income to that uh, wonderful accountant that you suggested. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Okay. Um, if I take someone that's not Mennonite, then I, we do bill insurance. Okay. So then what percentage, and this will be interesting, right? Like when you started just a few months ago, yep. it was probably a hundred percent Mennonite, correct? Yep. Yeah. So now we're kind of in the middle of this COVID epidemic. And you're doing more, let's air quote the English, which is everybody else that is not Mennonite in this conversation. How many people are you doing that are English now? We've definitely had a few more. Um, We're getting inquiries every day. It's been honestly a little overwhelming. Um, I've taken on a couple. um, And I'll I'll tell tell you why I haven't taken on more, but the, the couple that I've taken have been um, women that I've, I've known prior. So I, I knew in, in my prior practice, knew of them. 
and I knew that the care that they were getting um, was exceptional during pregnancy. So it was just an easy transition from their care to my care. Um, the reason that we're not taking more is, is one of the reasons or the, yeah, one of the reasons that midwifery care and home birth is safe is because you have that relationship with women throughout their pregnancy. You're able to really mm-hmm. um, know them and have a trusting relationship and know when things are, are not going right in pregnancy. You're just picking someone up at 37 weeks. You don't know them. You, you, know, you don't know their health history. So it, it gives us a, it's a higher risk. Um, so I mean, that's the main reason we haven't taken on, uh, other than we are booked solid as it is for the summer months. Um, with English or Mennonite or both? With Mennonite. Okay. Wow. With Mennonite. Yeah, we have, we have a couple English. I have a couple of uh, non-Mennonite patients that were prior patients of mine that have, have come with me for this pregnancy. But that's just a few. That's maybe like three or four for the next six months as opposed to maybe, you know, five um, Mennonite families a month or more. Um, so if, you know, another reason. Oh, no, go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Just to say that um, we don't want to take women out of fear of pandemic either. You know, like if you were planning a hospital birth and you never even entertained the thought of a home birth because you thought a hospital birth was safer, it's still the safest choice for you you know, emotionally, you have to feel safe in your, in where you're birthing. Um, so we just want to reassure women that hospitals are taking every precaution to keep you safe. You know, they don't, they don't want their pregnant people to get COVID either. So you have to be able to trust the system you're working with. But if, I don't know, I don't know the current status. I try not to watch the news. It makes me want to puke, but aside from that, are they now letting spouses into the labor and delivery rooms? Yes, they never not allowed it. It was just a, at least I'm, I'm not not around here. They didn't. Maybe in New York City. Okay. Um, but uh, one of the um, things the governor did was say that women did have did have to were allowed one labor support. So whether a husband or if you know a single mom, a mom or a sister or something. And so they we may have one labor support. They're still not allowing allowing doulas in. Um, but I've heard doulas getting really creative and doing like Skype um, or what? Zoom, like what? we're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can still have you to deliver a baby. Well, to to do labor support. You know, to help you through labor. So. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're still in the hospital, and the doula's like your labor coach. Yeah. Yep. Just online now. <laughs> <laughs> I could just be here. <laughs> Which isn't perfect, but it's better than nothing, right? Could you could you take the camera and move? I need to I need to see I need to see below her waist. Could you move the camera, please? <laughs> How many centimeters is she? Exactly. I, I'm having yeah. The it's really skewing me on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So then, if someone could let me start this. Could someone want you to be their midwife? in their home if they wanted a home pregnancy yes okay so someone could call you and be like hey jen you know i'm 13 14 weeks i want to do this at home and you would be able to take them through their care the entire time because maybe their obstetrician didn't or doesn't want to or for whatever reason yeah start to finish or whatever they whatever reason they are choosing home birth i they can call me and i 
If I have room, yes, I can. <laughs> okay. So there's two of you in the practice. There's two of us. Yep. And you guys are basically booked. Yep. We're looking for a third. If you know any midwives looking for a job. Well, that's what I was going to say. Why? Like, I think you had stated that, you know, in other countries, this is a more accepted practice. Why do you think it isn't in the U.S.? Especially if I know this is a very small population size, but you guys are obviously busy. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why aren't there more midwives and why do you think it, there aren't more people looking this way too? Um, politics, our healthcare system, um, competition. I think in other countries, if you're hmm. looking at um, the other developed countries, a lot of them have some kind of democratic socialism. So they're, at least their healthcare system is, um, you know, there's not all these private insurance companies and, um, you know, like the England, for example, has a national health system. So midwifery care is just part of normal healthcare. You know, you get to choose, do you want a midwife? Do you want a doctor? Do you want a home birth? Do you want a, a hospital birth? And that, and same with Canada, is just part of, of their healthcare system. And they've made it so it's, it's safe. You know, there's an ability if you're having a home birth to transfer into a hospital, if you have a complication, um, we don't, we have that here. Um, unfortunately we have insurance companies that not dictate what we want, dictate what we can and can order, which also tell us how much we get paid. Um, so many insurance companies don't pay for home birth. So women aren't choosing that because it's a financial burden for them to pay out of pocket. That's what I was going to say. I don't like no one ever taught, not that I would have, to be honest with you, but it never, it wasn't like a choice no. I had or that I, I knew I had, or that it was even offered. When I had my babies, it was the same thing. I, I didn't, 16 years ago, I couldn't have told you what a midwife was, honestly. Um, so this is something yeah. that evolved in, in, you know, myself too. Um, you know, I think there's a sense of competition among physicians and midwives, um, unfortunately, which I think is our society, right? Um, so allowing women to care for the low risk um, pregnancies means that obstetricians aren't caring for the low risk pregnancies and they're only caring for the high risk. And, um, you know, we don't have a, we don't have a system that really supports home birth right now. We don't have enough studies out saying that it's safe like other countries do. So we have, you know, different societies telling you that the safest place to ha have a baby is in the hospital, even if in our heart we know that it's safe and a, a supported system to have a home birth. There's um, so many different layers of it in America. Um, yeah. And I find it even more fascinating that you're married to an obstetrician. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what is his take on all of this? He's getting, old. he's getting older. So it's easier to talk, uh, to convince that it's okay to do home birth. <laughs> I was going to say, you guys are like on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> I'm wearing him down. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, I think for him, you know, especially for me going out into the Mennonite community, there was a need. Um, he, he is of, he has a heart that likes to serve. And, you know, if someone is in need of care or is underserved, he, that's where he's going to go. So when there is a void in this community that culturally accepts home birth and um, looks at 
birth and death differently too. Um, there's not, they're not a litigious society. You know, they're not, if there's a, a an outcome in anything, it, you know, in their lives, whether it's birth, health, you know, walking down the street, they're not going to, they're not going to sue you if you hit them with a car, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a low risk community. They're healthy. They culturally prefer home birth. They're not going to go to the hospital anyway. So for the choice for me to go out and take care of them or for them to not have adequate care, you know, it was easy for him to support that. Yeah. I mean, you made a really good point. They're not going to go to the hospital anyway. Right. So either I go out and help them or they, they, they do don't, on their own. they do it on their own. Yeah. What? Wow. Who was serving this community before you? Um, so there are several, there was, um, a licensed certified nurse midwife like myself who passed away last 2018. So a year and a half ago, oh. she became sick. Um, and then pretty much died suddenly. She still had current pregnant patients. Um, around the same time, there was, um, a certified professional midwife that is not, was not licensed in New York state. Um, that was arrested for um, not having a license and asked to stop providing care. So that happened within a couple of weeks of each other. So mm. basically, and those are the two main midwives. So, so basically the majority of the community um, had no one, you know, all of a sudden had no one to care for them. So it was truly like a, a healthcare crisis in Yates County. I could imagine. Oh, I've learned so much. Okay. So then let's fast forward like five years from now. Where do you see the role of a midwife in, you know, let's just use it in our community or, you know, in the U.S.? Do you think it's like an upward curve or an upward trend? Do you think it's really only going to be communities like the Mennonite community where it's going to be, you know, it is part of who they are? What What do you foresee? I think so. I think every year for at least 10 years, the amount of midwives um, or midwife midwife attended births has grown. Um, We've been on an upward upward swing for at least 10 years. So I, I believe that we'll continue to swing that way. Um, I hope that one good thing about this pandemic is that it does somehow show the safety of home birth. Um, as more women have chosen to have a home birth during this, that now, maybe now we have more statistics, statistics to show the medical community that it, it's safe and maybe we could get some regulations to support it. Um, as far as hospitals, I think there's more midwives being um, trained in, and we'll have more midwives in hospitals. Um, I believe, if my statistics are correct, that there are less obstetricians being trained. Um, you know, things like uh, primary care and, and OBGYN are not as popular to go into as they might have been 20 years ago. So we're going to have a need for more nurse practitioners and nurse midwives. So I think we're just going to keep um, evil laugh taking over the world in a good way. <laughs> no, that's great. And hopefully this podcast will help because there were so many, I mean, we've had these conversations, you and I, you know, here and there over the past year or so, but, um, to be able to put it all together in like one conversation. And, and like you said, before we even started, most people don't even know what a midwife is. So just really learning about it and, um, 
you know, yeah. how, and also kind of embedding in kind of how it's so accepted in the Mennonite community and how you got into it. This has been a fascinating conversation. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people will hear this and think, wow, I didn't even know that was an option or, you know, um, if they are, you know, in the early stages of pregnancy, <laughs> they can obviously call you maybe and try and get in with you or the team. But also, like you said, you're looking for someone else. Call early. <laughs> yeah. Call me. <laughs> um, you need, you need, you guys need more help. Um, so I think that's awesome yeah. too. And, and, you know, I hope the trajectory keeps growing. I'm kind of sad. I didn't know about this. I am too. Um, I don't know if I would have done it at home anyway, but I felt like when I was giving birth to both of my kids, I didn't, I mean, I sure didn't have someone there with a bag of tricks. Like <laughs> my husband was holding my foot and complaining about how sore his arms were. <laughs> so, right. Like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I, I went into it thinking it's me, myself and I, yeah, these guys are here if something goes wrong, but I'm, I'm doing this, you know, mentally without like you said, any bags of tricks or oils or whatever. Right. I mean, I had my playlist and I think it was classic rock, but aside from that, <laughs> it was like, that was my one bag yeah. of trick. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of sad I didn't know about it. So I think just from an educational perspective, this has been awesome. Um, there's a great website. It's called um, midwife.org. And um, that's the uh, American College of Nurse Midwives. It's got, you know, obviously it's information um, for midwives, but it also has patient information about there. Like what is a midwife? What are the different types of midwives? Does insurance cover midwifery care? You know, um, things about licensing, et cetera. So that's a great resource for women who are just maybe listening to this and thinking, oh, I want to know more about midwifery. That's great. And then they also can follow you on Modern Day Midwives on Instagram. So that's also another option. Yep. Um, but I appreciate, I was actually hoping that you were going to be like on this call in the middle of, you know, helping someone somewhere deliver their <laughs> baby. That would have been like the ultimate podcast experience. <laughs> we'll just, if you want to re-record it, like maybe next week we can try. Hey, again. whatever. My phone's going to ring. I'm going to be like, I'll hit record. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad that we were able to have this chat. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day. And I'm glad that no one else was giving birth at the exact same time that we were having this, but thanks so much, Jen. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yep. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey tribe. Thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. Make sure you kick some ass today. Love ya.